The future will be great, but today is just as incredible. I want you guys to meet Nissan's most advanced lineup. If you can't get enough adrenaline, there's the all-new 400-horsepower Nissan Z. I remember the Z. Or for your off-road adventures, check out the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. I'm a, I'm a Frontier owner myself. If you're more of a spontaneous road trip type of person, I am. Hop in the Nissan Pathfinder. And for something more, let's say electric, there's a stylish new Nissan Aria. So let's enjoy the ride. The 2023 Aria and Z not available yet for purchase we'll expect the availability spring 23 for the z and this fall for the beautiful 2023 aria how long gone we've hit a new low jason how are you don't say that (laughs) how long gone jason is here chris is here we're both irl live and uncut from glendale we just did our first Next level ad read. We're in the car game, so you can suck my, both of our dicks from the backside, front. Uh, <laughs> use your reverse cam. I don't. We have we have a lot of mileage and range available in the all new Nissan Aria. It looks like a stunning vehicle. That's no. I couldn't agree more. I can't wait to uh, hopefully be gifted one uh, as part of this kind of ad. I'd deal. love to add another EV to my fleet. I would. I. I. My charging station is kind of filled up right now. They but- go. They go. I mean, I'm the opposite. They're like TJ. Why you got a 12-car garage, but you only got six cars? <laughs> Whereas you have Actually, 12 cars and you only a six-car garage. The, yeah. These are WeHo problems. Let I, me open up a CBD THC soda really quick. Sorry. I heard a, um interesting thing today that Lil Baby is working on a project... Okay. I say project because it's not an album, and and you know how I'm. I like to differentiate. He, hopefully, it's knitwear. It's called Lamborghini Boys, and the only people that are allowed to submit guest verses have to prove Lamborghini ownership. That's the fucking dumbest thing I've ever heard. In my life. <laughs> so you have to be so to get to get a verse on this Lamborghini Boys project, you must, I guess, maybe show title. I don't know how he's. <laughs> I, I, I'm picturing little baby. Sitting patiently by a fax machine <laughs> as the- someone's personal assistant sends over all. Wait, 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 wait. I said current registration. Well, yeah, because you could easily fake ownership of a, of a Lamborghini. Mm-hmm. I see people doing it every day. But, you know, if you really want to rub elbows with the greats, you got to show proof. I mean, it's, it's so dumb. It's it's, so, I mean, with the, there I mean, was the funny. Bugatti boys. Bugatti known as the most expensive car you could purchase are you currently. Of the Bukaki boys. There's also that, but I mean, like, wh- why are we going down instead of up as time progresses? Lil Baby, you have tons of money. I think Bugattis are really corny. Lamborghinis are, I guess, slightly less corny. I don't know. That's all bad to me. How many Lamborghini owners are great rappers? Probably a lot. Four? Honestly. No, there's probably, I bet a lot of these guys. Not, have not Lamborghini leasers, not Lamborghini certified pre-owned owners. Not Lamborghini renters. Okay, so you're saying the the five members of the the Bored Ape Yacht Club. Uh, <laughs> None of board? those guys can rap. Those guys can't rap. They bought. Those are the only people that buy Lambos cash and Jay Z. I guess Jay Z can rap and owns Lamborghinis. Jay Z could rap. Fifteen him. years ago, I couldn't agree more. Ross, well, how is the how? So you're sipping a new beverage. Jason. Yeah, shout out to my my squad over there. In the world of food fluencing, they sent over a pack of Artet is the brand. We'll give them a free plug. It's cannabis is that infused one of your sparkling beverage. <laughs> Fartet. Fartet. Um he's still not dead, I said. He's uh it's, it's this is actually delicious. This What's the flavor? Mango ginger spritz. Usually whenever I drink these uh fourth wave artisan beverages, yeah. 
It could be virgin, alcohol, or drug. Doesn't matter. There, there's always something wrong. There's always one little thing. You probably see this a lot with like clothes or shoes, where you're like, there's a little something wrong. This would be a perfect thing if Tom Ford didn't put that one little dumb question, thing right there, or worse, Tom Brown put that one little thing right there. My question to you is: When will all these beverages that contain things that are supposed to help us or make us feel better? When will they kind of bow down to my wishes and give me something with no flavor? Ooh. When is the fully plain? When's the Pepsi crystal? When's the clear? Yeah, it's just, just like plain. instead of trying to instead of trying to come up with all these flavors, why don't you just hit me with the the plain that has the adaptogens in it? Is that not possible? Is that actually harder to do because you're not able to mask the disgusting flavor with the equally disgusting flavor of mango? That's where my scientific mind goes to first is that you do need a flavor to mask and sit on some of these flavors. But then the other hand of that coin is just do better do at better. making flavorless adaptogens. Yeah, I want flavorless adaptogens. THC, five. this, this little can has five milligrams of THC, five milligrams of CBD. That's, that's flavorless. That's nothing. So uh, you could just have a LaCroix, uh, pure, clear flavor can. I just don't This one know. hitting for five. This one hitting for 10. This one hitting for 50. If you're a snail mail, this one's hitting for 275. <laughs> I just don't understand why that's left out of the... Like, this stuff is obviously for consenting adults over the age of 21. Well, Chris, this is how innovation starts. This is why you're I right. started DJing, podcasting. This is why you started photographing chairs and lamps. You see a space... That needs to be fulfilled. You see an open field. I've heard this called a white space. Is that possible? And I don't want to make this about race, but <laughs> we're not we're not talking about our Discord. We're talking about <laughs> we don't have a Discord. <laughs> uh, we're not but talking we about did, any it, podcasts it, it, Discord except Code Switch. Um, no, no, there, yeah, this is an opportunity. This is a, a, a hole in the market that needs to be fulfilled. And those are my favorite types of discovery innovations. So you're saying that instead of us spending our time, brain power, uh, money, and manpower on developing MUD 3.0, mm-hmm. we should actually be developing a flavorless soda that contains drugs. Yeah, it's just, it's Spindrift, Olipop. Don't bring up my enemies. <laughs> He's fucking. I've seen you beefing online with Olipop. Fuck Olipop. You know, see, it's like Coca Cola, Elon Musk or not Elon Musk. Delicious, perfect flavor. Whether what? or not it has cocaine in it or not, truly a perfect flavor. Lacroix comes out and they're like, "Oh, this just tastes like somebody yelled blueberry in another room," and then you're <laughs> drinking it. So that has no flavor. The problem with Olipop. It has a, a, a an outright bad flavor. You well, drink I it just, and you go, mm. I just don't understand. Like, I, As a person who doesn't drink soda at all, but if I were compelled to drink a soda, I'm going to get a real soda. I'm not going to have a knockoff. This is basically like mm-hmm. getting a Costco soda, but it's branded for people who uh, were inaugural joining members of the wing. It is inter- <laughs> it's interesting how the soda market has stayed like very segregated like that like there is the the coke the pepsi the sprite the dr pepper all the tops and they're oh, like baby, they're at dr. the top pepper? for a reason oh my god delicious and for some reason no one's ever been able to make either a cheaper version an artisan version that's five times as much with better ingredients it never works it never works right it's like making it's like street to- like me- mexican tacos like it's never going to be as good as just a regular taco. Like you can have this Wagyu grass-fed uni yeah, shit, yeah, yeah. you know, making it in Noma. It's never going to be good. And the same thing with soda. 
No, I agree. And I, I think that's that, why soda is so cool. Well, I also don't think soda. It's just if it's going to be even fake healthy, it's not going to taste good. Mm-hmm. That is the number. It's not a healthy. That's not what it's meant to be. And shout out to all the fake soda companies that send me sodas all the time. I love you. I'm rocking with you. I hopefully one day we'll crack through that I'm glad, fourth wall. I'm, I'm glad that you're able to raise three million in friends and family seed round and spend a million and a half of that on graphic design <laughs> instead of product development. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Shout out to those guys at Pentagram for doing such a great job on the packaging. It's it's unbelievable what it looks like on the shelf. It's unbelievable until you actually taste it. Honestly, this your idea is a good one, and because like maybe. I don't know, a year ago when we when we were doing a bunch of mud and stuff with our coffee, I was like, we should just make LaCroix. I mean, it's, I, I think of this all the time when I go to Trader Joe's and LaCroix. It's like the product is there. It's perfect. It makes tons of money. And with one little tweak, which is make it not ugly and raise the price 10 cents. You're good. You're good. Like if like the packaging on all the food at Trader Joe's is so bad. It feels purposeful. Bad. It feels purposeful. It feels purposeful, but I don't know. Like I'm, I'm, I always think like imagine if somebody just made all the products look cool. But the problem is easily. Is that, the problem is that to me the Trader Joe's ugliness is almost more appealing I know. because it doesn't look like a startup. It doesn't look like we've reinvented the pan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when I say good design, I don't mean that. But unfortunately, that's what's considered good design if you're trying to sell. Uh, flavorless sodas to whites yeah that is a different you have one. to that's that why olipop has you know the full case at whole at, at erwan and they're paying a fortune for the end cap because it's like this shit looks like people want it to look so they're gonna buy it okay so this brings us back to a a, a nasty little word in the branding world that oh. we can't you can never recreate it you can never synthesize it it's a little something called authenticity chris have you heard that thrown around in your white meetings? It's something I I've mean, whiteboard meetings. It's it's something I've heard about a lot. And if you look at my whiteboard right now, mm-hmm. the scribbling, my ideating, the word comes up. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's something that that we have to kind of be mindful of at all times, especially when creating. Um, Can you teach it? <laughs> no. Oh no! You either got it or you don't. And these little fake ass soda companies, you ain't got it. I don't care how much money you raise from which celebrities. Maybe we need because the future is all about data, right? That's what I've heard. Yeah, you've heard that. So you know, we we don't care about what you're doing. We just want to know things about you and how to sell them to you. So this is going to be a new thing that we sell to the government. It's so an, are we it's getting? Are we finally meter? Okay, I would love to get into government contracts. I've heard there's a lot of money in that. And yeah. Unfortunately, I don't have any lines on weapons. So we will have to weaponize authenticity. I have loose ties in the aerospace <laughs> market right now, and hopefully those those knots will be tied up. They a seem bit very more. loose. I think they're maybe I would say untied, but I they'll I, be tied come next year, sweetheart. Okay, well once I would love to see you upgrade and be able to get an all new Nissan Pathfinder instead of kind of your older Look, truck. We don't need to do. No, I mean Nissan will give me the all new Aria for free, obviously. They'll get to pick the color. It won't be the best. That's no, fine. So we did have this Advil orange. They didn't test great, Ugh. but we but we do. We have a few on the lot. It has matching interior. Of Nothing course. worse than the Kia Soul in in Sprite orange. I mean, or, what? Advil. Advil orange. Like you make as soon as it drives off the lot. The guy who painted it is like, I just fucking ruined this car's resale value. Well, it's just it's just the kind of thing. It's like sneakers. Somebody's always trying to like freak it, and it's like, man. 
you know what? Mm-hmm. With cars, white or black, and I guess silver, you know what I mean? Those are the only three that should exist. There's And there's been this argument about the color is gone from cars, color is gone from movies, and it's something that I think about a decent amount where it's like, it have have people become more shitty and boring and drab like every marvel and batman movie is just gray and brown and like muted don't even tones. get me started on the clay audi oh, the clay and then like there used to be these fun exciting car colors and now like you said white black gray because it's just too risky and is it have we gotten dull or has the market just corrected itself of like yeah why are we going to make 1100 lime green teslas when they just sit on the lawn. No, it's not, and, it's not going to sell. And also, I mean, look, I guess red is a color that people... I mean, I don't like the color red personally, but I do... For it, the right car, right setting. It evokes sport, and I understand that's been driven into our brains. Like a 65 red Mustang word play right is there. considered the, you know, one of the greatest cars of all time You know, by well, guys that roll their shirts. Here's another factor. This is, the, this is the third factor to consider. 20 years ago, we didn't have rap culture. And I don't mean Chicken Caesar. I mean paying some Armenian guy down the street four grand to turn my shit mm-hmm. whatever color I want. So you're saying that the the fact that my car is now digital camo, mm-hmm. it could be... I could just change it to whatever with the wraps. Overnight. Because I paid a graffiti artist to kind of do it on the low. See, that's a bad move. It doesn't look great, but I, I didn't realize I could just wrap it. Well, so, the problem because with the, when you do the graffiti straight onto the car, you do get points for authenticity. Not that's to bring right. it back. That's right. But then you are kind of sitting there with. I mean, there's the car that was in my neighborhood forever. It was like this two hundred thousand dollar Porsche Turbo, carbon fiber hood, and then somebody hand painted with like a paintbrush, like you would get from like Walgreens level. Like you could see the brush strokes. It looked yeah. very elementary. Of Scrooge McDuck diving into. His pool full of Are gold coins. Are you saying coins. that you live near someone who was actually able to commission an Alec Monopoly piece for the whip? No, this makes Monopoly look like Degas. But this seems like it was based on a Monopoly work, one of his masterworks. There, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. That's rough. I Maybe mean, Gucci I, Ghost was involved as don't well. Don't talk about Gucci Ghost. He's a great snowboarder, and that's what we need to. That's what we need to remember. <laughs> I just him. discovered him again recently because I used to hang out with him back in the day. I was day. about to say, I'm sure you've shared the decks with him. But now I'm like, damn, you like made a full career you make more money than your wife who's like a grammy award-winning musician for drawing a g and then a backwards g on anything on anything it's honestly it's to the point where i have to respect it it's such a grift yeah and it requires so little that i'm down and hopefully he knows that and is like every night i'm just Look, he either knows that. I'm living my life. He either knows that. There's only two ways this goes. He either knows that and he's laughing all the way to the Bank of America, or he thinks he's Picasso and his wife hates him. Ooh. There's only two ways it goes. But can you also, the third option, you just stay awake at night staring at the ceiling like my life is a... Tragic joke? Sure. Maybe. But when you got money, you don't care about stuff like that. Well, when you have money, drugs, and fellatio, you That's can true. you can temporarily suspend those moments of of grief and disbelief, and disbelief regret, etc. Shout out to him! I can't wait to hear his new mix. Speaking of authenticity, Rihanna, she's a very authentic person. That's why we love her, isn't that right, Chris? Yeah. And we were. Tra- <laughs> she's been in the news because she apparently likes to eat mangoes and she dip them in the ocean and the rivers and the lakes to clean them. To clean to the clean mango, them. because you you know as a as kind of like a food guy that mm. you don't you don't want to eat the eat the the produce raw dog. 
You got to wash them mango. Yeah, you got to wash wash the mango. But yeah, I'm a little concerned about her pregnancy. <laughs> yeah, so the ma- you're like mango. That's the least of your issues. I mean, I'm glad she's washing it off. Mm-hmm. I'm not a doctor, but that seems like a good thing to do. I'm sure I think she's- some of that mango bacteria will put a little bumaclot air but on you this baby's smoke, chest. You can't smoke weed while pregnant, right? She find a way. <laughs> yeah, I bet she's finding a way, and that's good because she has to calm down because her baby's father, mm. influencer uh, ASAP Rocky, can't keep his hands clean. So he he's being accused. He's been he's been arrested by the police mm-hmm. for a shooting, which. He shot at a guy, right? Yeah, but come on. Like, there ain't no way he shot at a guy, bro. He's too... He's not really about that. He's too soft? He's too famous. He's like, he knows better. It's too much to lose. Yeah, there's got to be... There's 10 guys that'll do that for him. There's no reason to do that. Yeah, if if I've successfully convinced, nay, tricked Rihanna into having sex with me, the last thing on my mind is doing anything that could jeopardize that. But I think that... So the, 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 the feds did search his home, and they found weapons mm-hmm. all those weapons legal legally registered and uh not involved in the shooting that they are trying to charge him for mm-hmm. so i feel like he's got a way out and the person that he shot at they lived right oh yeah yeah he's if fine. nobody dies who cares i mean it, it is a bad it's a bad sign when when you get arrested at the airport and then simultaneously they know that they know to raid your apartment while that's happening that's like not great. There's a couple ticks on the on the checklist where you're like, oh, this is. I bet that's his high. Sign. I bet, but I bet the the high profiledness of his relationship is part of the reason mm-hmm. this guy's coming. Because it happened to make like an a year example. ago. It happened like a while ago. Do you say high profiledness? No, just high profiledness. It's a term I made up. It's good, man. But I'm glad that I'm glad that you know they're they're reunited. Hopefully, Rihanna's able to de-stress. <laughs> I think I know what you mean by that. You know. Like, I, I just, I don't... Hit the bubbler? She's definitely hitting the bubbler. She's got I mean, the... I mean, does she switch to edibles once she's pregnant? When you're in your third trimester and the and the baby is kind of pretty much formed, like, the, the souffle is not going to collapse ed- in the edibles oven. Edibles are probably the best bet. Also, in Cali, that's what all you pussies do. So I don't know why she would be any different. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so uh, uh, a listener sent me a, a very sweet DM this morning saying, like, hey... I've heard you talk about marijuana consumption and talking about like the pushing through the paranoia. Like everyone you've talked to is like, oh, I tried it once, never again, never, you know, it's too crazy. And then I'll always call them the P word or whatever and say they have to try harder, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And he was asking me, what do I do in that situation? How do I actually push through? And I, I was saying, don't do edibles, just smoke. Yeah. It's just way too predictable or unpredictable. When you eat the edible, like sometimes I'll eat an edible, an hour will go by and nothing will happen, and I'll forget that I even took an edible. Sometimes I eat an edible, and 20 minutes into it, I'm on the freeway, and I'm like, oh, God, I got to roll the windows down and like remember to breathe. I want to say I don't miss that feeling, but I'd be lying. (laughs) And that's But when you smoke. I'm an authentic cat. Yeah. No, bro. And then five minutes later, you're like, I'm high. And like that's pretty much how if high I want to get more be. high. I just light a, another one versus like Bingo. if I don't want this to stop, I'm gonna have to throw up. Bingo. You know, and that's mm-hmm. not great. It's the you, same with cocaine. It's like when you boof it, you're like a yeah. little bit of a question mark. No, you just gotta do some lines. I also, you know, quickly, I want to talk about something I've seen kind of, um, you know, happen on the internet. Just a, I don't know if you've seen this first ladies program where it's like three different. It, it, it's 
Who, like Nancy Reagan, Jackie O, stuff like that? Yeah, but not that. But yeah, but there's a Michelle Obama. The first ladies of R&B? There's okay, a Michelle, Michelle Obama. Obama and the, the it's, I can't, uh, I got to look up. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Nancy I'm Reagan? No, I'm blanking on the actress. Hilaria Clinton? Uh, I'm blanking on the actress. What else is new? Um, Blank ass. I'm the one who's the stoner. I know. I don't. I have a hard time. Sometimes. I'm literally having to. So right I watched now. this. I watched this show. Oh, Viola Davis is Michelle Obama. Michelle Pfeiffer is Betty Ford. Uh, the mm-hmm. point is, Viola Davis's sounds like Michelle a Obama a- accent is and mouth the mouth thing is worse than the Anna Delvey. It's impossible to watch. I was watching this. So I was like, you turn it off, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. It makes me insane because we've seen Michelle Obama. She doesn't do that. I don't understand where it's coming from. Right, right, right. So this is based on a real person. She has like Michelle has that very particular kind of pursed mouth thing that she'll do occasionally. Occasionally. But then you're saying the Viola Davis Vi- rendition of it is is balls to the wall. Viola, the who's time. also one of our a great, like she's like a. A real amazing actress, amazing actress. So I, I don't understand what's going on. I think th- I think the problem is you put too much emphasis and thought into nailing this one specific yeah, one specific quality, little quality about it, and then you it ends up being kind of an obsession. And then once you do it once, you feel like you have to just keep doing it. it. Yeah, it's it's un- it it's makes too that, risky because I mean, that even, show- she's such a great actress, but it's just like hey, just you know. You think Michelle called her? I was like, bitch. <laughs> Why you, why you do me like this? Because when you do that, it just with the Anna Delvey thing. Barack, Barack, turn down Anderson Pock. I'm talking to Viola. The whole legacy of this film, lo, lo, long past This is the only has, thing people are talking about. The only thing is just like, oh, that's the movie where Michelle Obama goes like. The only thing, yeah, the only thing I've heard about is not whether this is good or bad, but about how the accent is fucking crazy. And like the mouth movement is crazy. It's really tough. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, we also should probably talk about the... Um, the anyway, check it out, First Ladies. It's boring, on Showtime. What is it on? The boring uh, future album. Uh, I, I listen to. I only listen to like one. People path. refuse to admit that it's boring. I was listening to the Joe Budden podcast. These guys, some of them are like, it's okay, but then uh, you know, half of them are like, this is cr- it's crazy. I'm like, am I listening to something different? This shit is boring as fuck. I wouldn't say it's crazy. Maybe they've just forgotten what crazy future music. I mean, the lyrics. Like. You know, I know I don't like lyrics unless they're future lyrics. Good lyrics. I mean, Future always has good lyrics. It's, but that's the most interesting thing going on because overall, it's a snoozer. I think is it. I, I think it's kind of like uh, you know when 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 Dirty Sprite Two came out, and like when that's when that when that first came out, and the the artwork lands and it's just the Adobe Photoshop mm. background. Well, for this image. album, I would like to point out he did just use an outtake from a from, GQ, from GQ shoot. shoot. That's so, right. Yo, can I give you guys an extra ten? I'm gonna use this because it definitely. Oh, he definitely just used it. It's so ask. it's so cool that he cares. I remember Decatur Dan explaining to me <laughs> how little he cares about stuff like this and why that makes him cool. Oh, absolutely. And it's like, damn, it really is true. Like he didn't hire he didn't hire some graphic designers in Portland to do this. Mm-hmm. Like he's mm-hmm. just like, I don't know, man. Like Future was just like, let's use that one. <laughs> Okay, it's done. and then he never thinks about it again. Never. And then when the album comes out, he'll be driving down in his Tahoe. He'll drive by Times Square on the Spotify billboard and be like, oh, damn, that photo's sick. Damn, I forgot I did that. I was asleep, actually, though. <laughs> is, is it, um, you know, so when, when, DS, when DS2 came out, and I remember it was also kind of like a little bit of a boring album. Like that. that's known as like his big, like yeah. so many bangers on them. 
But the songs did kind of have a boring energy, but I think the energy of the world and society and everything at the time was in a better place than it is now. We're just, you know, rap is just so dystopian now and it's just so inauthentic. But back then, you're like, here's a slow song and it's like... Yeah. And then Future's just like barely awake off of 11 Perk 30s. But then he goes... I just fuck your bitch with some Gucci flip flops, and then everyone. I mean, and it's like a lazy line, but I would the first time I play that in a club, people are tearing the wall, tearing the windows <laughs> off of the building, smashing bottles on the floor. No, you're right. You're right. Just like run it, like. I just think the 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 song titles are so good, and I think that. He's one of the very few people who could release him and Harry Styles putting out track listings and people losing their minds. <laughs> and I'm like, do all these people even know what puffing on Zooties means? <laughs> I can, don't know if I do. I mean, we can know, do the math. We I mean, can do the math. of course. But I mean, and I think, of course, the, I use my Zooties to get zooted for a nut. I mean, that's crazy to call a song for a nut. I know. And unfortunately, the song didn't go in the direction that's that because, I was hoping it was going to do. Gunna and Young Thug are both really cool, but the music. Ain't really hitting. No. Gunna is so boring. So cool. Love the guy. Love all of those guys. I know. I don't like when, you know, Young Thug is a crazy maniac guy. Crazy rapping style. You know, Future and Gunna, they're at the top of the game. Every time you see them live, they just stand there. They don't move an inch. They're just like. Well, I've I've been told that sometimes it's because they're afraid they're going to tipple over because they're feeling unsteady due to Mm. drug use. So somebody just kind of wheels them out there. Yeah, bro. The, a bodyguard who's you holding you their MCM mini backpack. Take, you take enough perkies, those quads ain't engaged, and you could fall over. <laughs> you know what I mean? He can't. He can't stand up straight. I wonder if there's some type of like in sync puppet kind of thing going on where you can't see the strings, but someone's up there just kind of moving Future's arms around. I mean, Jay Prince could be involved. I don't know, but I, I don't <laughs> think that's really his Rick thing. Ross. Is like I don't do drugs at all, but. I could use a little yeah, bit. Wait, I could you use guys, a little help on you stage. You got one of those? I need a little more reinforcement if you got it. I'd love to be able to do my encore not in sitting in a chair. So that sounds like I a nice love, option. I, I would love for a Rick Ross renaissance. I would love for a Rick Ross prime era. He's trying. He's posting videos of him as, of his tank. I saw the tank. That's stupid. I, but I, I do think that that kind of energy, it's really his to, to bring back. I want him to kind of take a Martha Stewart-esque lane. Like once he makes his, I don't know... You know, wing stop, I triple IPO, whatever happens, you know. Yeah, he will. He, and will. he makes that, and then I want him to kind of embrace, I want him to be Martha Stewart, who still kills people. Like, a little, like half Martha, half Tony Soprano, with a little dusting of, I don't, I don't know, well, Bill he already Bellamy. Lives, he already lives in the suburbs, and he also disappeared because he killed his gardener. You know, so, <laughs> I mean, I guess it sounds like he's already there. He killed his gardener? Yeah, that's the whole thing. That's why he went quiet, is because he got, I don't... I mean, that's I how I know Rick Ross is gay. I don't know. He what cares the, that much about exactly. his garden. I don't know what actually happened, but he definitely was dealing with legal issues because of a. I don't know if they killed him or they just severely beat him. Do you know why? I would assume because he fucked up. Improper landscape. I'm gonna say maybe he didn't pull the right permits. Rick had to pay some fines, you know, for some, you know. <laughs> He's I like, mean, you call it? this topsoil aeration? <laughs> <laughs> said well it was in it's in he lives in please mr rick he lives in evander holyfield's old house that's an hour outside of atlanta that's like you know it's like 400 acres it's like a giant if these walls could talk they'd say stop hitting i mean i imagine it's something like 
you know how the beautiful like outfield on a baseball diamond looks because it's just perfectly cut. Oh yeah. I imagine it's someone's life's work. I imagine that Rick was looking for that, didn't get it, and uh, somebody's paying. Uh, you know, somebody's paying. That makes sense. He wanted the Nissan Aria. He got the Kia Soul. That's exactly what it sounds like. I'd start swinging too. That, yeah, somebody's got to pay for this. Start shooting. Ask questions later. That's how we operate. We do have a guest today. A rare. Yeah, sorry that we have um, we have a guest today, but it is one that makes it all worth it. Normally, we do our one-on-one episodes, but we wanted to make sure that this intro was a little extended. Oh, we did a half an hour intro. so We gave you some bars. You jabronis got what you wanted. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, our guest today, Paul from Interpol. Legendary band, legendary guy. We talk a lot about boxing, Krav Maga, coming to Brazil, and uh, some cinema, the works of Paul Thomas Anderson. We really cover... Cocaine! We, we cover it all. How are things on the West Coast? You know what I'm saying, Jason? <laughs> the we, only question is, what song do I put at the end? It's tough. I mean, I, I, I'm, I've been watching some old uh, Interpol performances, and mm. I gotta say, man, they really like... It really holds up. The music really holds up. I've said this before on the podcast, before this was in mm-hmm. the works. Yeah. I just think a lot of music from that era is like... Ain't nobody checking for clap your hands, say yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like <laughs> this shit somehow holds up. I mean, you can tell they're selling out like giant shows and they put out new music. And on that note, we do apologize to Neon Indian for our slanderous words. We sure, I'm, I'm sure the album's going to be great. Did Neon Indian confront you? No, but Neon Neon Army did a little did they? bit. Yeah, a little bit. There's Neon Army? That sounds like, that sounds like a it, Coachella It was, it was like... <laughs> <laughs> That's Steve Aoki's new EP. Steve <laughs> Aoki. Uh, <laughs> That's his uh, collection of of digital NFT foot soldiers that he that do his bidding. No, I mean people who are just fans of just like yo, pff, watch yo the new Neon Indian album is gonna be better than fucking Toru Miwa's album. Uh, okay, well you know what I'll I hope you're ju- right. I'll be the judge of that, and I can safely say that's absolutely not going to be the outcome. <laughs> but thank you guys for letting us know. I love that's who you guys choose to defend of all the things we talk about in this podcast. You're coming to. You're rushing to defend Neon Indian. Not to make an Indian joke, but that's the hill you want to die on. <laughs> yeah, I mean seriously. Anyway, how long gone? Great talk. Uh, Interpol. I'm, well, you know, Interpol is sharing the bill with DJ Them Jeans at Just Like Heaven Festival here in Los Angeles. Yeah, we're bookending that beautiful lineup. TJ up up top at noon. You can see while J- you're still picking out what outfit you're going to wear. <laughs> And then Interpol playing. You can at hear Jason play thirty minutes of songs you wish you'd forgotten while he enjoys kind of an egg McMuffin. Uh, and then <laughs> you know, egg bite. come around to eleven p.m. The sun is down. You can kind of put on your suit, do a couple bumps, and mm-hmm. uh, have a nice Negroni while Interpol lulls you. Lulls you with their asymmetrical finger plucking. We get into their kind of ska influences. That's on, right. And the on ska- why their syncopated lead guitars are so. Mm. Jason can't wait for Jason can't wait for the Interpol uh, dub remix. Don't don't give don't give away the great the title of that great. I, I would never. I would never. All right, you guys. Uh, how long gone? And also make sure you go to the uh, Just Like Heaven Festival here in Los Angeles. Low ticket alert, but them jeans has a high guest list <laughs> alert. So, so if you, you are a close friend of mine and you would like to attend. Uh, send me a text. Send if you don't, me an email. And if, you, if you don't have Jason's phone number, but you have mine, do not text me. And because uh, <laughs> I, I, I just I don't really want to be the go between on this. And if you're Golden Voice, and I know you're listening, we love you guys, GV. We, I love rule. I love our Golden Voice family. I'm gonna need some stage access for the Morrissey Festival as well. So if oh, you guys could just kind of 
You know, do you guys do like Sweet Green where I have an app and it just shows up? Yeah, the QR. I need the QR, and then I, I'm going to need the parking pass as well. I don't know if that... I'm going to need the code. <laughs> yeah, I, but Golden Voice, if you're listening, I am DJing from noon till 1230. That's right. So I'm thinking noon to 1230, we just put on a mix. How you many? know, there's a Spotify <laughs> blog house playlist, and then TJ plays in between the shins and MIA or whatever it is to kind of... Once the crowd is pumping, yeah. you know, everyone... Everyone is cleaning up all the blood and, and piss and broken bottles after the shins destroy the stage. <laughs> and we need to kind of keep that energy going for going, MIA Jason, and everyone. Jason will pop out. He's got, he showed me actually, he has five different Friends Ferdinand remixes kind of ready to play. So, I got the bloody Beetroots touched it. Justice, they, they touched it. You know what I mean? <laughs> who all, who all blessed, blessed us with a remix? Mm-hmm. It's never ending. It, this could, we could go on forever. Um, low ticket alert as well for Toronto, uh, 513, the Great Hall. Uh, our flights are booked. We're ready to, to visit. We have some incredible exclusive merchandise available for our Canadian friends. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. This is We're going to go for a fucking rip. It bud. has a sporting angle to it. That's all I'll say. That's all. I don't want to give it away. Uh, all right. How long gone? Paul Banks from Interpol. Thank you guys for joining us. We're back next week with uh, more legends, of course. Nissan.com. <laughs> yeah, sorry about last time. My bad. Yeah, what happened with that, Paul? <laughs> What's that? I mean, I like that you just offered a simple my bad because that's kind of my flavor as well. Yeah, I'd love any detail around that would be great. I think I was just in Berlin and I was doing, I can't remember what it was that just with the time zones, man, I get fucked up. Yeah, the time zones are fucked up. That's, that's mm-hmm. a, yeah, being in LA has really made that a lot harder for me as well. When, it, when you're in New York, it's, it's a little easier to process for some reason. I mean, I also put alarms in my phone, but then I feel like my phone. I don't know, man. It's like I have like 110 morning alarms and they seem to like blend in with the like tomorrow you have to do this or in an hour. Like I feel like I haven't once seen the notification Mm. of an appointment, even though I always plug it in. Mm -hmm. I just remember to go Mm -hmm. check, but I've never like noticed my phone actually saying you've got something to do today. These phones, man. Yeah. These phones. You have calendar fatigue, perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah. I'm actually between the gym and sound check. Oh, Paul. I know you've never listened to this podcast before, but we talk about working out, you know, almost exclusively. So I would love to hear what the the Paul Banks. Where are you? Are you in Texas? Tempe. Tempe. What What's the gym? What's the hotel gym looking like in Arizona? Because I, I I'm not hopeful. Paul's a boxer. I box. Oh, okay, okay. One of my things on the road is to find boxing gyms. And today, well, yesterday I was in Austin and I went to a gym that I've been to a couple times called Easley. Like I've been there over the years and like the owner is amazing and I love working out there. Uh, And I left my super expensive handmade Japanese winning boxing gloves behind. (laughs) Okay. Anybody that listens that knows this brand, they're like, you can't even get them. They're fucking crazy. Shout the brand out. What's the brand? It's called Winning. Winning. Like like Charlie Sheen style? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <Okay>. Exactly. <laughs> so so it's a Japanese handmade artisan boxing glove company called Winning. Yeah, I mean, I feel you. I probably seem like um, I wouldn't. I don't know if you'd even call it a poser because I think people that know boxing know, like, yeah, they're fucking great, but they're really expensive. They're like prohibitively sure. expensive, so it's a little bit possibly douchey. Does it fall into like the rich the rich dick category? Yeah, mate, but that. <laughs> 
Yes, they do. But at the same time, like, but they really do work and they perform well. It's not like a Maserati where it's like, uh, you know, what, you know, all show, no go kind of thing. Yes, and I think you know, you know, real boxers would also say, oh yeah, they're they're dope. Okay. Can I ask you? Can I ask you if there's a customization element to these? Do you pick all the materials? Is there your initials on the inside or anything? No, I mean, I think you can do that, but yeah. interestingly enough, I feel like there's one distributor in America, and it's a store called Super Rare, where you guys now have one in LA, mm-hmm. and there's one in New York, and that's like the only place you can get them. And right now, for instance, they're sold out of every everything by that company is unavailable at the New York store, and the only thing you can do is like go on their website and like put your email next to whatever item and they're like we don't even know when they come in it's like this company just like sends a shit and then we have the stuff but like <laughs> yeah. it's that sort of the schedule is whenever they feel like it we will sell it yeah it's like buying a porsche yeah are you guys howard stern fans by any chance oh the goat of course all right well one little bit of triv <laughs> is uh do you know do you happen to know marianne from brooklyn yeah yeah yes of course the ki- yes yes for, yes. Our, for our listeners who don't know could you give a, a a brief explanation a reoccurring character she's a woman with a very high pitched sort of like long island or brooklyn accent and they always play like a crow sound effect whenever she calls in but she's been calling in <laughs> for like 20 years she's pretty <laughs> beloved uh anyway mm-hmm. Her son is the guy who runs Super Rare. Oh, shit. Wow, it ties all the way back to the to the king of all media, doesn't <laughs> it? It's a it's a spider chart. So well well my question now is 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 your tour manager is he having to track these gloves down or are you kind of doing the dirty work yourself? Tour manager, dude. That's right, baby. All right, good great <laughs> answer. Great answer. I was, you know, because we can't you, you have to focus, you know what I mean? You still have to get the workout. So are you able to do a workout and uh, unfortunately in some borrowed myths? Is that what we had to do today? It was kind of funny, actually, because I went to this place. It's almost like a, I don't want to say like an OCD gym, but there was like, <laughs> it was the only place I've ever been to where they like walked me through the rules and the rules were like crazy specific. And then every piece of gear in the whole gym had a sign next to it, like, if you touch this fan, we will kick you out. Oh my God. If you don't put your weights back more than twice, we will kick you out. So you went to a narc gym. Yeah. Like every single piece of gear had a sign that says like, this is for the trainers. Don't fucking touch it. Don't fucking touch this. Don't do this. Don't do like, but every like signs that were like three inches big. <laughs> There's one like, treadmill that you're corners. allowed to use in the entire gym. A trainers only drinking fountain <laughs> section. It's all there. You had to have a towel. So they sold me a $2 sweat towel because you can't be in the gym without a towel. I've suffered from that on the road before i've had to buy a, the disposable towel before i i know exactly what you're talking about nobody said the road was easy guys people <laughs> that train are slobs and i get it like it's a really hot place so i think they have a lot of it just has to do with just like protecting their gear but as it just happened they wouldn't one of the rules was specifically you can't hit any of the bags without gloves okay and like i've trained with pros who hit heavy bags with no gloves as a way to develop their knuckles or you could put wraps on yeah then i was like well what about you know today just so happens to be the first day i don't have fucking gloves they won't lend me gloves (laughs) and they're the only gym i've ever been to in the whole world that has an explicit policy that you can't hit any of the bags including a including one that's called a double end bag which like again anybody the boxes knows you can definitely fucking use a double end bag without gloves you can use it with or without 
It's pussy-only boxing is what this sounds like. <laughs> I was hating on it when I first got there because I was just kind of having a grumpy day when I realized I lost my gloves. But to be mm-hmm. honest with you, it's actually a cool gym and the equipment Paul came around. Paul came around. Yeah, no, it's cool. It, like, it and I, as I, I say, I appreciate a place that has, like, you got to have rules because people will fuck up your gym and, like, you know, it is what it is. It's true. So I will I will actually shout it out. It's called Iron Gloves Boxing in Tempe, and it's actually a very good gym. Those guys listen. That's well, great. are you you mentioned, like, being in a grumpy mood. Are you the, the type of person where you're like chris and i you know we work out we don't do boxing so we don't exactly know the the mindset that you are you're in but like if, when you show up and you're like all right i have one hour to do this workout and if you show up and there's all this friction and like oh it doesn't work out and you have to do this and this and this is are you okay with that or is it paul kind of starts having an eye twitch if he doesn't get his <laughs> his uh his bag session in you know what i mean on tour we call it the ambulance okay and i do call i call the ambulance a lot man when i uh so that's when you turn into an annoying <laughs> motherfucker when you don't get your hits in just change baby diapers is the other thing that we talk about because <laughs> like on tour you don't have control over your environment that you normally do when you wake up in the same place every day so mm. every day you got to kind of find out where you're going to have coffee where you're going to eat where you're going to work out mm. and so generally i think we're all pretty resilient people but sometimes it's just like that last thing that does make your eye twitch like as i say like today mm-hmm. it was like i've discovered right before i went that i didn't have my gloves and then when i got there it's the only gym in the world that won't let you do anything without gloves so i was twitchy but i'm you were having a day you were having a if afternoon. you were holding a glass of chardonnay at the time you might <laughs> smash it in your hands <laughs> yeah. or the pencil in your hand will snap so okay it's something that i work on a lot is dealing with those little disappointments and holding on to negative mm-hmm. emotions is something that i actually am like really working on at the moment so i definitely feel like uh it'd be a quite a failing if i then walked around sort of like stinky face so no i like just got my sweat i mean i was there to shadow i can shadow boxing is one of the hardest things in boxing because it just takes a lot of concentration and it's like not fun and you don't get the gratification of like hitting anything but it's like contact yeah. super important element crazy cardio too right yeah if you do it right you can really tie yourself out and it also like you have to be envisioning your opponent so there's actually this whole like mental element that is is hard so mm-hmm. plus they had a bunch of weights and shit so i was it was totally fine it was groovy who put you on to the boxing it sounds like this was this wasn't a fluke or was it a fluke or did somebody be like i think this would be great for you you know personality wise i always wanted to fight like since i was a little kid i wanted like you know karate kid was my childhood so i think i always wanted like there was something very special about fighting so I did like karate in college. I did Krav Maga after college. And then my girlfriend, like 14 years ago, was training boxing. And so I was thinking I want to do MMA or Krav Maga. But then I just did a session with uh, this boxing coach and kind of like it just clicked that, you know, the I think with Krav Maga, it was like group classes and shit. And I fucking don't like group classes. And when I realized that I could kind of use a, yeah. a physical trainer and get one-on-one and learn a skill and just like, <laughs> you know, I've sunk a yeah, shitload yeah. of money into boxing. But I, I really like the one-on-one thing where you're going to evolve as fast as you evolve. You know, it's not like regulated to the like whatever the core, the class is doing. It's like where you are at. So yeah. I've just been obsessed, man. It's like, I think people get the bug with tattoos. I think boxing is another thing where people just get the bug and I got the bug. For the for the Krav Maga stuff, do you still remember some of those fucked up moves? <laughs> <laughs> no? I mean, 
Because because that's kind of like someone's pointing a gun at you and then psh, 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 you do it. And now now you're holding the gun and they don't know what happened kind of vibe. I think it might have some of that stuff. It is. I believe it's like Israeli military developed it. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be sort of, yeah, like hand to hand. And I think I think it does involve the other person having a weapon. But I think it kind of has to do with just like killing and or incapacitating somebody really fast with your hands. Yeah. I think that's the gist. The best, easiest way to just end someone's life with your bare hands without coming. Get her done. It's funny. It's funny because those those guys are often trying to solicit business on the street with like a like a rave flyer style system. Yeah, Krav Maga over here, guys. Yeah, yeah. It's like a it's like comedy in the West Village. I'm like, I don't, if, if you're gonna teach me how to kill someone, I think I would want to walk in on my own accord. You know what I mean? But I didn't I didn't know <laughs> right. it was that violent. But that I don't know. That I mean, or me lead more, with actually. that. Don't bury the lead. You're like Krav Maga. I don't know what that is. I don't speak Russian. And you're like. I'm going to tell you how to kill people. And you're like, all right, here's my Zell. I have Venmo as well if you want Two fingers. (laughs) Well, Paul, speaking of the cardio of shadow boxing, have you found out a way to train boxing, which is very much involving cardio? Have you found a way to kind of train boxing and still smoke cigarettes okay? I mean, it's funny. Couple points on that one. Um, I, I remember a few instances in my career. Once I was in LA at a place called Fortune, and a trainer in there was like, "I was like, yeah, I got to quit smoking because like the one thing holding me back my boxing." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "I don't know, man. Smoking's not that big of a deal." <laughs> and in Berlin, I'm working with a, a guy who's Turkish. He runs a very famous gym in Berlin, actually called Izzy Gym. Or just like it's like known in the boxing community over there. Mm-hmm. And he fucking just walks outside and smokes. So smoke wafting. He's an ex-professional fighter. My Turkish homies love a cig. Yeah, they love cigs. Bro, and this guy <laughs> is, will fuck you up, man. He's really <laughs> crazy fit for his age and everything. And he's smoking. Anyway, I quit smoking. Okay. It okay. was one of these things where I feel like if you're running three miles every other day, and smoking i think smoking isn't helping you but i feel like you maybe have better cardio than someone who doesn't smoke who doesn't run three miles every other day i like how you've made this work for you this is great psychology that you've talked yourself into my brain does the same thing i mean as i say i have quit smoking so i think one of the things i was doing was i was sort of trying to get myself more and more invested into boxing so that it would make less and less sense that i was a smoker so I, i actually did use my obsession to kind of like then it's like, okay, well, if I've plateaued in my ability now and I've got this one big thing I could do to then like let my level raise up, which is like, mm. stop fucking smoking. <laughs> and yeah, you, I totally notice it in my like, um, in my stamina for sure. That's a, I mean, it's a smart way to quit smoking. Just kind of paint the cigs into a corner and they got nowhere to hide. Yeah. Stamp them out. I saw the Northman last night. You know about this movie? Oh yeah. I've, I've, I'm hearing mixed things. I, I don't know. What is your official review? Firstly, do we know what this guy did? I feel like he made another movie. Did he make The Witch? You talking about the director? Because it's Skarsgård's in it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's Scar. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm not. I'm not a big cinema guy. You know what I mean? But I hear people talking about this. Uh, Robert Eggers. Oh, it's Eggers. Yeah. Okay, yeah. He's he's very well known. Oh yeah, he did he did do The Witch. Okay, he did The Lighthouse, The Witch. Okay, so The Lighthouse just didn't click with me. I didn't like. Mm-hmm. get that film mm-hmm. i didn't uh that's the that's the black and white that's the black and white a24 with pat yeah, D- willem dafoe r pat yeah yeah so you might be the only person who saw that movie paul uh, actually dude people 
love that movie, and I kind of feel like, what are we talking? I, I don't know. Okay. I mean, I like Lighthouse as much as the next guy, but we don't need two hours of it. I commend the artfulness <laughs> of it, but like, I don't, I don't know what I was watching. Look, look, if you're gonna do, if you're gonna do black and white, I'm already mad. <laughs> you know, I, like I'm just, I'm a little bit like, all right, bro, like we're really this doing better this. be good. Yeah, like you're 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 setting yourself up to lose with most people, even if it's like you got Pattinson, you got Willem Dafoe, it's A twenty four. It's it's still an uphill climb if you're doing black and white. Okay, so the Northmen, that's it's a Viking revenge flick with with Alexander and Bill Skarsgård. Yeah, and Bjork. Bjork's in that bitch. Okay, because I know who her character was. Because I was wondering, is this Bjork? But she actually looks oddly young. <laughs> this lady looks familiar, but but she looks a little <laughs> like something in the makeup. She actually looked. I was like, that can't be Bjork because this woman looks like she's like you know in her thirties. So I don't know. She must be looking mm. real good. Ho- uh, Hollywood's crazy, man. You know, Bjork got the Botox. <laughs> Do not. Yeah. That's good stuff right there, Paul. <laughs> yeah. Should we end this that on the high note? <laughs> We're gonna walk out of here. So so. So you saw the Northman alone in a theater in Arizona last night. That sounds, um, you know, tour is glamorous. I just want people to understand that. Days off for Italian food and movies. That's the day off okay. routine. Did you now? Was this actually just you, or did the whole squad go check out the movie? No, usually it's me and the bassist Brad go get a caprese and uh, some pasta. And then go catch a flick. So when you say days off are for Italian food and movies, you weren't lying. No. That's 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 the that's the routine. There's like a whole menu, yeah, that we that we look for as well. Oh, really? Like a hyper specific. So you go for the caprese and the margarita. What 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 is the? Which region of Italy are you focused on? That's a good because yeah, I'm yeah. sure it's not. A, it's more like full American comfort food, but you know I like a good caprese and a bolognese. That's that's the day off okay. situation. Got it. Got it. Got so you've it. earned you've earned your appetite. You've earned the 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 caprese. It's either that or like a burger because on a show day you can't like the way that the time works. It's like I don't want to eat like a huge bowl of pasta before the show, and I don't want to eat a huge bowl of pasta after the show. So it's like uh, you know I just treat myself. Is it, are these all things that you considered? 20 years ago or are these things that you have to consider now that we're a little bit older <laughs> this is yeah. the, how much were you how much were you eating no, i mean it's, know, it's, it's, show it's or less after of just show. i mean it's more of just like i've been doing a thing long enough to where you can learn from your mistakes and you remember the pros and cons and like do that and don't do that i mean i don't want to de-glamorize the whole thing but you know like the <laughs> the calories, the thousands of calories in vodka and beer that I don't consume anymore, you know, have to come from somewhere when I'm on the road. Oh, you're anti. So are you full sober then? I smoke it a weed. <laughs> so this guy does like Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> he wasn't kidding about the Italian stuff, the, you know? which is the ult- it's the ultimate drug to do. No calories, no hangover, and it frees your mind. Amen. That's the idea. It can be habit forming. <laughs> And it can turn into a nasty little oxy hobbit, <laughs> but that's rare. I don't think at this age, if you're smoking grass, I, look, I don't want to project, Paul, but I feel like you're pretty experienced in the dark arts. You know what I mean? You've been around the block. I don't, you know, yeah. I think, you know, at, at, at a certain age, you can smoke grass and that's where it's going to end. You know what I mean? Because, because you've, you've, you've had the life experience before that, you know? Well, I mean, and honestly, in my heyday, when I was into heavier shit and like, getting wasted all the time uh weed would be a sort of thing i would be doing on a night when i wasn't going to get fucked up so it was actually kind of like <laughs> it was uh, it, yeah, would, yeah. it was your italian food it was your italian food <laughs> if you will 
Yeah. That's, I'm going to have a little throat code and watch Friends. That was your... <laughs> but also, you know, when I'm... After half an eight ball, I don't want to have bolognese before or after anything. That's yeah. the last thing I'm going Yeah, that's, that's the thing. I want to have a bowl of menthols. Yeah, I don't, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I feel like you... I mean, you guys really did, though. I mean, I'm glad to hear you've stopped smoking. I think that's a hard one, you know what I mean? Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's a you were living a lifestyle, and it was part of the whole... I just feel like it's part of the whole deal. And nowadays, I don't think it's as part of the whole deal for people coming up, you know what I mean, that are a younger generation. I feel like that lifestyle. Yeah, when we were at Coachella last weekend, some a girl came up and we were we were having a sig backstage and she was like, "Oh, you guys are smoking that's so like classic Americana vibes, like <laughs> our cigarettes back." And I'm like, "The fuck are you talking about, bitch?" Yeah, it was a it was a very funny <laughs> like situation. Like that's how young people look at smoking, like a like a novel old-timey Americana thing, and it's like, you know, a billion-dollar industry. Oh, I mean, we're probably similar age, you know what I mean, the three of us, and we lived through the the heyday of in a similar time, and I just feel like the you know the word wellness didn't exist yet. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a mm-hmm. there wasn't mm-hmm. nobody was nobody was doing yoga at the time, and I think that is completely shifted even at like the highest levels, which is kind of like for me, who like if Oasis is my favorite band, part of the lore of Oasis is the partying like that's part of the whole thing is that like yeah. these guys were doing it all burning it at every end for a long time and now you know we're just we're not going to get that imagine dragons those guys aren't partying you know what i'm saying or if they are partying it's not part of the ford you know it's not part of the mystique it's more like hidden yeah yeah for sure yeah. dude i smoked on airplanes dog <laughs> <laughs> did you really yeah dude so i might be older than you because i did that you smoked as a child like what are we talking about dude, dude? <laughs> i started I smoking since i was 15 uh, so yeah wow yeah we talk about smoking yeah. on a plane pretty often on this podcast actually if i saw a 15 year old kid smoking a cigarette really? on an airplane be like, who the fuck is this little kid <laughs> yeah that's a that's a very big flex with your parents like mm-hmm. they put you in coach and you're smoking cigs <laughs> i think i mean i must have been flying around by myself yeah because i don't remember flying no i certainly wasn't like sitting next to my folks smoking cigarettes <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. I mean, because I, I reminisce to the times where you can smoke a cigarette inside of a bar, and that seems like such a bygone era. But the plane thing, I didn't even know that was something that was available, you know, for people in our age. I just thought that was happening in the 70s, you know? Or, yeah, like Humphrey Bogart was doing it. No, man, it was right, like. Did you right. take the Concorde as well? Did you ever take the Concorde? No. No. She's coming back. They're gonna, yeah, they're bringing it back. I can't wait. But I, I mean, I, yeah, 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 yeah. That's we're working on it. That's the whole rumor. I mean, I know. I mean, but look, like flying business class is like a whole like life decision. You know, like, <laughs> do I want to start a college fund or do I want like, you know. <laughs> Take this fucking business class seat. Don't front on us. You haven't flown in a coach. You haven't flown coach in 10 years, minimum. Regardless of whether or not I can afford business, <laughs> I'm flying business because I, I can't. Yeah, as, as soon as you're in that lay flat seat in Delta One or whatever it is, you're like, I can't go back. I can, you, you can't ever can't. go back. Even if I, even if it's the only thing I spend money on, that's what I'll spend money on. But the mm-hmm. Concord, I like where your head's at. Concord is a whole other thing, dude. That's like ten grand minimum. That's some insanity. First, but we'll do it for your birthday every year, Paul. Oh, cool. Speaking of uh, of Stern and uh, and UFC, does that mean you're kind of a Rogies listener? You and Joe putting up numbers. What's up? Um, you know, it's funny. Like before, he blew up. Blew up. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And like before the Spotify thing, there was a window of time where I was like, yeah, I kind of discovered him on YouTube and I was like watching 
trying to think of some interviews that impressed me back in the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had some really good interviews. Yeah. I sort of switched over to other podcasts uh, a little bit more of the, I like Lex Fridman, mm-hmm. who I feel like he's like part of the Rogan extended mm-hmm. posse. Like if Rogan went to college. <laughs> I mean, Fridman like, is a professor at MIT, yeah. I think, in AI. He went to real yeah, college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't go to Glendale Community College. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's much smarter, but less charismatic perhaps uh-huh it's a no nonsense have you delivery. have you been invited to do rogan though that's the real question no i don't think i'm on his radar but i mean it's rizza was on there once and yeah i don't want to reveal it? too much but I, well i was i did make a joke to my manager like rizza mentioned me actually and joe's sort of reaction was just not like <laughs> he glazed like, it over wasn't <laughs> even that he heard and was like i don't you know like i'm i'm a fan or i'm not a fan it was like the word and i, I kept like yelling they're like rizza say it louder <laughs> i mean rizza does have a bit of a speech impediment so you know <laughs> when he said in a poll he was like i don't know, I, don't know, I, don't know I think i think rogan's just not a big fan i don't think he no, no, no. because you can tell when he's kind of faking him like oh yeah those guys rock love those guys you know Totes. and he yeah. it was just a full mm. who did oh maddie matheson our buddy maddie who's a chef he did it and he kind of told us the whole story. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He was like, bro, it's fucking crazy. You know, you go to the strip mall and it's like a whole thing and you walk in. He like, he broke it down. He's the only person I've ever talked to that like broke down the whole experience. You know what I mean? But like that shit is like career making depending on who you are at this point. That's how big it is. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people have come out of that. You're right. Like their public profiles. But that's what I thought was interesting. Like with as big of an audience as he has, he does pick some, some interesting cats to talk to. What are where are you guys coming from? What are you, what is your what was it that you do before this podcast took off? Ultimate fighting. Mostly, I actually used to be in the music business. I manage bands, and then, um, but I work in fashion mostly, like as a consultant uh, with different brands on different things, um, and still do that. Cool. Uh, but Jason's an OG podcast. I, I used DJ. to be a DJ, and I actually used to throw this party in Hollywood that you guys would come and smoke cigs at way back in the day at a place called Cinespace. Okay, yeah. Like Hollywood and Cahuenga-ish area. I remember whenever you guys were in town, you'd come in and, you know, kick the tires. I feel like I got... <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I might have had a... Yeah, never mind. Feel like you got high there? We all did. I think I've been, yeah. You've been there. We've all been there. Anton Newcomb would DJ with, like, Ariel Pink and shit, like, way back in the day. Oh, that's really cool. He's a trip, man. Anton's a trip. Okay. They just played. They just played L.A. They just did like a couple shows in L.A. And it was like somebody was telling me they were doing three and a half hours, like wow, dead fuck. style. And I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I don't need to see that. I do not need to see that. He does his own thing, man. Yeah. That guy's a real one of That's a That's a great way to put it. He does do his own thing. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy that that movie came out and it was so good and like such a thing, the documentary. And it like didn't do. I don't think it really did shit for their career. You know, even though the story was so good. Great doc. Great doc. Like, kind of like early days of that whole thing. But I think the music was still a little too Mm. tough for people, you know, to get into. Yeah, I mean, that makes me just wonder, though, like, how many things help bands other than just their music, you know, like... Yeah. You hear about bands going on SNL, like, have there really been bands that got broken via a documentary or broke big because they did one TV performance or something? I feel like there's never really, Mm, like, this mm. secret. The only one I can think of in recent memory is the Maggie Rogers Pharrell NYU video. That's a great vid, man. You know, where she plays the song and he cried. That's, like, literally her career. You know what I mean? And she's been able to... That's a good example. She's been able to back it up, but, like, that's a... Now it's, like, TikTok. You know what I mean? So it's, like, it's a little bit of a different... 
I mean, I think back in the day, an SNL thing, it would get people talking. You know what I mean? But I don't know if it would like really move the needle. I don't know if it did move the needle, man. On 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 sales. How many did, did you? You guys did it, right? Well, no, we've never done SNL. What? That's crazy. Yeah, so that's why I tried to diminish its its influence. Yeah, exactly. You're like that's just <laughs> whack. That's just whack, bro. I didn't do anything for Drake. That, shit, that didn't do anything for Lizzo, bro. No hell. That's no. kind of crazy. You guys never did it, man. That's yeah. Because I know, I know, I know up. you've been at like bar thirteen with Jimmy Fallon on a Sunday night, and there's, I mean, that's crazy <laughs> to me that he didn't that he didn't make something happen, dude. I would agree. That I'm, I'm surprised we never did it. Yeah. But I think those late night, I because that's like what I you use YouTube for is basically watching all the bands that I like play on Letterman in 1996. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that that's like what I use YouTube for. You should try doing that high, bro. I, you're, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. It's cr- it's crazy. <clears throat> it's crazy who has played on like letter like some big thing. You know, it's always a surprise. Is my point? Do you like the performances though? Do they sound good? Um, I think it's every once in a while. It's like you, for every Lemonheads on Jenny Jones, you know what I mean, or like Wilco in their AM era on Letterman. It's a lot of duds, but the the UK like Jules Holland, like those shows. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. can see some crazy shit, like yeah. you know, more Morrissey and the Smiths at that era, like everybody pulp blur you know that whole pulp's first song yeah first single yeah. that era of tv where it was like the fake crowd you know what i mean they like mm-hmm. pan to the crowd it's all the kids cheering and shit <laughs> that's when it's probably at its best and and now it's like it's it feels low energy to me now mm-hmm. it's very low energy that's interesting you know i mean jules holland is a special is a special example though they really go the extra mile and it's a super vibey space like we've done jules holland a couple times and it's like you know all the bands are in the same room facing each other and it's it's cool i mean you guys you guys broke in europe first right i mean i feel like the strokes broke in europe first yeah and, and that <laughs> meant that there was a lot of interest on new york bands um yeah and also our first label was a scottish label so yeah we had an ep out over there and then yeah. our first big show was in france which is unrelated to strokes phenomena mm-hmm. i think for the most part we just got lucky and we got on this big bill in a, on a festival in France because somebody canceled last minute and we played to like 20,000, I think, really, really early on. Um, Whoa, so that was a good shit, start. bro. 20,000. That's a lot, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lot. No, because I, I just think that at growing up when you like all the all the british music and shit you're it was it's it was a little confusing to be like why do they in on a mass scale like all this stuff that's good and cool and in america we don't really do that you know one slips through the cracks here and there and that you're the strokes interpol that era was when that happened probably the biggest in our lifetime when like mm-hmm. good music was really popular as well and it's just such a cultural difference, I think. You know what I mean? Just like I mean, I, the appreciation for it. And I feel like there was probably an overlap in time where hip hop was really before everybody knew it was the predominant influence in the US. I feel like it was already the prominent, you know, the, the biggest, yeah. most vivid, alive genre. Whereas mm-hmm. in England and Europe, they were still going to rock festivals and like rock had a much, you know, had a more of a home still in the 90s when I think, you know, hip hop yeah. was already kind of taken over in the States. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting to think about rock bands between England and the U.S. And it's like a lot of them, turns out, came from England, man. Yeah. A lot of the big, yeah. lot of the big boys. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and it's I don't know. It's just a funny... It's just when you look at it, and, and you know, they have their own issues, I'm sure. And, like, you know, they would also... Like the NME era, they would just, like... 
build up and then destroy bands in like a one month period. You know what I mean? It uh-huh. was like a, it was, it's not normal the way they do it. Like to us, like if you're keen with a K, yeah, it's like, or even, I mean, even like the libertines and that whole thing, like those guys, I mean, it was insane. They were like a household name and like, listen to that music. Like that is, I love it, but there's no fucking way that would ever cross over in that way in America. There's just no way. Right. Right. No matter how celebrity, no matter how many celebrities you date and shit, people just can't be interested. It doesn't. It's just not gonna. You know what I mean? It's just not gonna work. In the this. music has to be at least listenable. Yeah, yeah, or at least like palatable. I think is a better word. You know what I mean? For for a larger audience. Paul, speaking of the Strokes playing out of the country, how do you guys do down in South South America, Mexico? Is it very like night and day? Because a lot of band, you know, I know like Strokes and like Metallica, Iron Maiden, like bigger bands. When they go play in South America, it's a lot crazier. Yeah, we do. Yeah, they they do like the rock and roll down there. It's pretty great. <laughs> but it, but it's a certain type of. I don't know what it is. Like I don't know why of all the bands like like Strokes and Interpol does seems to do so well in like Mexico and South America. What do you what do you think that is? Brazil is big too. Come to Brazil, Paul. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See that in the comments a lot. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but Mexico, I graduated high school in Mexico, and um, wow, we had one leg up. I had somebody sort of point out to me that that seems quite narcissistic to think that that would have that much of an impact, which gave me some pause. But <laughs> I mean, I did basically. Someone at one point told me that someone that had gone to my high school had then gone straight on to college radio, and we dropped our first record. He was sort of promoting the band a lot, and saying mm, like, oh, this guy lived down here and he speaks Spanish. And then when we go to play in Mexico, you know, I would talk to the crowd with a Mexican accent and uh, you know, know the uh, slang and shit, and I felt like. I always thought it sort of made us particularly kind of one of them because like a lot of my best friends are from Mexico and like some of the most influential mm-hmm. people I've ever known are from there. And I really mm-hmm. had a really influential period of time. Um, but I think it probably just has to do with like more that they just like a certain type of rock. I think they're big into the cure. I think they're big yeah. into Morrissey. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. big into us. I wonder how much fashion plays into it as well. Yeah. Cause you guys all have a specific aesthetic. Yeah, that's true. And if you can, if you can take that and combine it with you being able to say, orale way on into a microphone one two punch it's game over yeah it's game over at that point tko we're calling we're playing a soccer stadium once you (laughs) utter that utter that into the into the microphone but these things are kind of tough to figure out because also like japan i feel like it's a market where you could be Mm -hmm. you know you either break it or you don't and i think there are bands like i think the strokes are pretty huge there but we never really really yeah. hit it big it's sort of hard to like yeah cuz i feel like over in japan they just they just like to celebrate the arts yeah and they're and they're just grateful that like someone anyone is coming to their little island in the middle of the ocean i will say this though with the strokes i think that they feel more american and i think that that translates to japan mm Whereas you guys are global citizens. You're global citizens. Yeah. You guys feel yeah. like a, a band of the world. You know what I mean? Where the strokes are like, we're, we're wearing Levi's and we're from New York City, you know, and that's like our shit. Yeah. They're slightly more like Iggy Pop yeah. garage. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Kind of Which, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I, speaks I hear you. more American. Yeah. It could be that. Paul, the, uh, the new record has some songs that have very cinematic, very well done videos kind of during a time 2022 where video budgets and videos are kind of a lot more on the on the gorilla run and gun yeah. style where are you guys getting these budgets or where did you like how are you making these videos that look like fucking movies well thank you for one um 
Secondly, I mean, we are with a great label. Matador is a great record company. And I think they really are in it for, mm-hmm. you know, the art and they're in it for projects that they believe mm-hmm. in. And I think they just felt like it would make a good, you know, just a strong impression and kind of like a, I think they're also looking to do things, you know, you got to get heard above all the noise and you got to like bring attention to releases. And mm-hmm. I think they just had a good kind of out of the box thought process on like, let's do a two part thing and like drop two songs in quick succession and sort of like super service um, mm-hmm. the audience. Super service. They also chose like kind of two low key tracks on the record, two piano songs to be the lead off, you know, songs to, to introduce mm-hmm. um, the record to people with, which I thought was an interesting decision because there's other, you know, more rock, more traditional single sounding music on this record. When you say that was an interesting decision, do you, does that mean it was a wrong decision or just like hmm, interesting unexpected okay <laughs> so you didn't unexpected. you didn't disagree with it no because i also think it's a game where like man who the fuck knows dude who the fuck knows how to promote or sell records it really i don't know yeah, yeah i don't know more any more than the next person next to me what's going to be the single that takes off well and even if it's like maybe it's not about taking off as much as just getting people talking and engaging mm. and so i felt like i think they chose two songs that are very mature songs on a record and i think it's just like gives the audience something to chew on like is it a piano record are they you know is this like indicative of where they're going or mm-hmm. some people say oh they changed too much some people saying like you know thank thankfully this is not the same as what we're used to from this band so mm-hmm. i think just like lots of angles but there's no right way to really play it there's just like you know play it the best way you think you can yeah and then we worked with this awesome artist named van alpert who you guys might know from from the la scene um Mm-hmm. And he's just a really like we we had some conversations about what we we're going to do to make the videos cinematic and just kind of bonded on video history, you know, shared shared videos that we both love from growing up, like uh, Blur. So yeah, some mu- specifically music videos. What are, what are some some old faves? Uh, we talked about Aphex Twin, Radiohead, Blur. I think those were the big we've ones. been talking. We've been talking about the d- the director's cut DVD series, uh-huh. which these all these all fall into that, I believe. Um, and the how Chris that Cunningham's was, and- Chris Cunningham, Spike Jones, like that whole series of DVDs, and how we would all watch music videos like it was a TV show. Oh. You know, I mean, over and o- over and over. But those 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 are winners from that era for sure, dude. I think it's Cunningham who did the Bjork one with the like cyborg robots having sex. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, you watch that today and it looks fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that shit was way ahead, really, really dope. I know. Sometimes those Absolutely. guys were too far ahead. Some would say, you know, that's that's kind of. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, it's kind of that's the problem sometimes. Nah, like I that. mean, that's when it's timeless. Yeah, no, you're right. That's why we're still talking about it now. That's for sure. One of those guys. Uh, Grazer or Glazer went on to make Sexy Beast too. Yeah. He graduated from videos. And- I mean, um, a lot of those guys did back then. I mean, I think that's what's cool now is like the the PTA like Heim thing. I think that's cool. Like once you don't need to do it anymore and you make music videos like for fun with artists that you like or that you're friends with, it you know it's a, that would I feel like that'd be fun as a director to go back and do after you're successful. So it's actually PTA came up with uh, Van Alpert. He was he's a big fan of that guy. Um, and I didn't know he was making music videos until I spoke with Van Alpert about it. Did you like Licorice Pizza? I did. I, I actually really did. I think for me, it was just like, oh, this is a movie that's not trying to make a statement. It's just like fun to watch and it's good. You know what I mean? It's too long, but everything's fucking too long. It was probably right. my least favorite PTA film. Right. I don't know if I'm too close to it. <laughs> yeah, J- Jason's an LA. I live in the valley. Lifelong, lifelong LA guy. He just feels a little too close to it. I mean, I think that the... I. I 
I, there's like parts of it that I was like, why is this in here? But overall, I was like, this was fun to watch and I didn't have to think about anything and there's no message. And in today's world, <laughs> I think that's kind of yeah. refreshing. You, you know, honestly, it is. It's like some smooth brain entertainment with good music. It's, it's, I'm happy with that. No depth, no substance injected into your veins. What do you think about it, Paul? I, I just, I thought it was visually really original. It just felt really original. It felt very kind of like um, mm-hmm. effortless and original and um just while we were talking about it, I just remember bradley cooper which i think was a real high point for me yeah no ama- amazing yeah yeah bradley cooper he, he killed it yeah no i mean that's the i guess that's part of the reason movies like that can be a little meandering and shit is to allow for bradley cooper and all white you know what i mean what are we gonna do cut bradley out? <laughs> yeah you can't cut brad you know he did this for scale you know what i mean we can't, <laughs> we can't cut it we can't cut him out that's the that's brad yeah paul have you have you done any cameos in films no i mean i had one guy who was making a movie uh so we did like a teaser trailer uh, we shot some scenes from it and cut that into a trailer as a means for him to try and get funding, but it never came together. Yeah. I am interested in acting mm. and so I'm just like, I love cinema so much. I feel like any kind of way I could participate, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm interested. So scoring, acting, directing, driving the golf cart. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's a, luckily we have a lot of pretty high powered Hollywood types that listen to the show and they're going to hear your call. Oh, good. Appreciate that. Thank you. Just promise you don't join the union, all right? That's the one thing we ask, Paul. <laughs> that's, the, that's all we can do, man. That's all we can do. Uh, I guess, speaking of timeless stuff, I, I think that the music that you guys make is, is still very timeless when you know we all listen to your, the records when they came out. Originally, but in preparation of you coming on, I was listening back to all the tunes, and I was just, you know, it still hits you. It's still fresh. It's still timeless. And... I think that's a really hard thing to do. And I was wondering, is it something that you can kind of consciously create timeless music or timeless anything? Or is it just something that has to happen kind of magically and spontaneously that you don't have any control over? Um, well, thank you. I don't know the answer to that. I do feel like the one thing I've always had a sense of is that everybody that I was working with was inspired with what they were doing. And in Interpol in particular, I've always been able to have a kind of reactive role. So Daniel presents these chord progressions. And so I'm writing top line vocal melodies to, you know, these chord progressions that exist. You know, it's, it's not sitting there with a blank canvas. It's really being triggered by somebody else's music to then sort of like, kind of like toss the ball back in a way. Mm -hmm. And I've always just felt like anytime that that comes easy to me and that I'm inclined Mm -hmm. to do it because the music is speaking to me, then that's always a good indicator. And I feel like you can just kind of tell like if Sam is really feeling what he's doing and same with Carlos, our original bassist. So it's like, we haven't yet made a record where we weren't feeling it or it wasn't feeling to me to be authentic and genuinely inspired. It's never been something of like, fuck man, what do we do? I got no ideas. Never had to force it. It doesn't, it has never been forced and it still feels really kind of organic and authentic to me. And it still is fun. So I think that's the only I think if that feeling went away, I would start to feel like, well, maybe we're not doing cool shit anymore. But that's really the only barometer I have other, you know, is just to like believe in it. Yeah. That's what I have. Okay. Have you, have you done any like solo side projects, ambient records, something like that, that nobody knows about? I mean, the probably least known thing is my mixtape. Everybody on my dick like they're supposed to be. um okay this is 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 rizza involved in this or this is just kind of a you thing everybody's on my dick 
like they're supposed to be like they're supposed to be that's pre-rizza yeah okay so what what what's going on with this mixtape so the deal there is when i was working on my first solo record years ago i got the program logic and i was teaching myself how to you know just use it and use midi stuff and i was making kind of like electronic music uh as a just Mm -hmm. like as a way to practice how i was going to use this software when i recorded my live instruments and i really like loved doing that actually i really got a kick out of it and so then years later i realized i had all this music from a time in my life when i was just really just being purely creative with no game plan Mm -hmm. uh and that i wanted to put that music out so my manager at the time said why don't you do a mixtape uh and so I then got a couple rappers on it. I got uh, LP from Run the Jewels. I got uh, oh, wow. I got Mike G from um, Odd Future. I got Talib Kweli's on there. What? Uh, I got High Priest from a favorite band of mine, kind of anti-pop consortium. And then the title comes yes. from a painting I did of, do you guys remember the movie Cobra? Yeah. With Stallone? Stallone, yeah. So <laughs> I paint, paint, I paint portraits of care of be kind of like secondary actors from movies of my childhood. So I, I painted the Latin American gentleman who robs the supermarket with the shotgun at the beginning of Cobra. We all know him. Yes, of course. He's got an amazing face. So I, I painted him. <laughs> okay. And then there was some negative space on the canvas. And I put this quote that I read from Rick Ross, where in XXL magazine, they said to him, hey, man, you have a number, another number one hit how do you feel? And his answer was everybody on my dick, like they supposed to be. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if the, anyone has ever said a greater thing than that. No, that, that is poetic. That really is poetic. This is the most multimedia encapsulating kind of th- yeah. body of life thesis kind of thing all rolled into one. So, yeah. I love it. So bring it all together. So then that painting became the artwork for the mixtape. Of course. And that's how the name became that what did pitch what did pitchfork give this mixtape paul <laughs> like 0.1 <laughs> and they were like basically they they just said like fuck this dude and everything he does except for bright lights <laughs> which was a good record <laughs> he did that one shit we really liked that one thing but the rest oh. of this stuff this guy's gotta stop this guy's and gotta I think stop they just copy paste that same review for everything i do <laughs> <laughs> i yeah this okay yeah i mean i like the multimedia experience of this so you really painted a picture no pun intended you took us down a long road and i'm glad we followed you there but i love the music on that mixtape i really it's, you can you can hear it on youtube it really is something that i also feel like it's very it's very pure actually there's no kind of like there's no mix engineer between me and what you're hearing it's actually just like me and my laptop and that's what you're hearing raw banks and uh yeah okay. and this so this was like hip-hop beats it wasn't like like dance music i heard it as hip-hop but other people have told me it's more just like electronic okay just electron okay well i mean because i was thinking you got your music you know there's like that joy division um like reggae dub album called jaw division i think that your music you know obviously a lot of similarities with joy division in terms of tone and and everything I, I would like to hear like a reggae dub mm. kind of reinterpretation of a of an Interpol album. Have you ever thought about that? And second question, would you call it Obstacle 420? <laughs> God damn it. 
Yes. And to answer your question, yes. <laughs> okay. All of the above. Is Daniel a, a reggae guy? Yeah, and a ska. Like, um, yeah. Oh, like like good ska. Yeah. Second wave? That's actually been kind of an influence that's been discussed in rehearsals in our band from day one, actually. So it's actually not that much of a stretch. Yeah. I mean, yeah, out of contact, some bang, of those guitar bang, lines, bang. yeah, it's, it's skanking. Yeah. It's it's in there. It's fucking skanking, man. That's the <laughs> that's that's Jason's review of your entire catalog. That shit is skanking. I like bro. it it's, when I mean, when you take something like, hey, I'll take this one element of ska music, a genre that is not super favorable in the eyes of many people, and I'm gonna take the one good part about it, extract it, and put it into this thing, and and give the world something that has never happened, and they don't even realize it's in there. But also, when people like you know deconstruct or write criticism of music i think it's it can all be very specific in the deconstruction but in the actual writing of it you know we don't sit there and talk about like let's you know Mm -hmm. emulate this or that genre or let's try and bring these elements together maybe some artists do but we are not that you know we're much more just like Mm -hmm. go on instinct definitely other artists do yeah no i've I've, yeah it's all subconscious i've worked with them where it is like really conscious like what they're gonna you know what flavors they're gonna bring and like what they're gonna try and do but we really have never done that that's because you guys are cool and good (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. and your manager and you have a good manager who didn't say like all right let's do like a cold play kind of one for the last song on the album yeah (laughs) uh is the so do you live in in berlin part-time is that the deal Mm -hmm. it could be full-time yes it is yeah. So you so New York and Berlin is is your split. Yeah, my girlfriend's in Berlin, so I've been oh, okay, spending okay, okay. a lot of time there. Did you do some real estate investing over there or is this is this just strictly for fun? Um no real estate investing over there. I was like looking into it actually cuz I do love Berlin and there's some really lovely areas, but uh it's complicated if you're not German. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Tough to get a loan. Yeah, sure. Oh, don't 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 play dumb with us. We know you don't need a loan, Paul. Come on, man. Cash offer. Don't do I don't, know, I don't <laughs> know which band you think you're talking about. <laughs> Cash offer. We do okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I, okay. I I I don't we were just joking about this because I don't understand Berlin, but I feel like you've cracked it. So maybe I just need a maybe I need Paul's guide. Paul's a good advocate for Berlin. Yeah, you're an advocate. You're on the front lines. Have you been? What's What's the? Uh... Oh, I've been. It's a reoccurring theme on the show. How much I disliked it. <laughs> oh. um, just, I, I just, I don't know, man. I mean, I just, I mean, I'm sure if I would have gone there when I was 21, it would have been a fucking amazing. But yeah. if you're sober and all you really want to do is like work out, I actually went to a crazy gym in Berlin that was like a metal vibe. Played like extreme music. Everybody looked really extreme, but they were actually very nice. But yeah, overall, I just find I found the German people to be a little abrasive for me, mm. you know. Yeah. Uh, but that's a known entity, so maybe you, maybe what you spend enough time there, you just crack. Chris is from like a sleepy southern town. I'm from Atlanta. So I'm from Atlanta. Of, it's oil I'm and from water. Atlanta. For yeah. Those so Germans. there's, you know, it's a little bit of a, you know, there's a, a politeness disconnect. I would say. I, I think I totally know what you're talking about. Yeah. And it actually reminds me, there was like a gym in Dublin I went to that was like a straight up nightclub. (laughs) Craziest, you know, dark velvet curtains and fucking like really, it's odd the way that gyms get done in other places. What's your workout thing that you guys talk about? I'm just super, we're just super into fitness, basically. Uh, We play tennis a lot. He's got a trainer. He's doing a lot of stuff. I'm I'm into like kettlebells and kind of mobility training, knees over toes. If you're familiar with that, I know the knees over toes guy. Yeah. Okay. You know we we found out there's rumors that the knees over toes guy is actually a Scientologist because he is based in Clearwater. Oh. Okay. Do you have a comment on that, Paul? Which is a nice layer to the whole thing. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want him to be Scientologist. Me too. Me too. I really want him to be. It makes my knee feel better. 
he was going to come on this. He was going to come on this show. Jason contacted him. He, Knees Over Toes guy was going to come on the podcast. Then he said he only will do it in person, and that he's doing a little tour and he'll be in California and he'll let us know. You know when wow. he's here. <laughs> he kind of he kind of blew up that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to Rogies. I love tennis. Oh really? If I'm in LA, we should go and play some tennis. Somebody. Yeah, I grew up playing tennis. My first sport. Yeah. I had a feeling. I had a feeling when you said that that you grew up playing. Paul, when's the LA show, bro? We were out in Pomoni on the twenty third, I think. <laughs> Jason's actually Jason, you're opening for Interpol at that festival, don't forget. Oh duh. That's the only reason why you're on the show, Paul. <laughs> you're headlining the show and I'm opening the show. A couple of bookends. Jason's doing a DJ set while people are kind of filing in from the parking lot, and then you guys are gonna play when <laughs> everybody's in there and kind of drunk and ready. That's kind of the, the what just like heaven. You're familiar. Yeah, that's awesome. What's what's your DJ name? Them jeans. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the la- lastly, you know, we're we're playing this festival next month. It'll be a great fun time. Um there's been a lot of kind of revival throwback festivals, you know, aligning with like the indie sleaze revival of of the early mid 2000s. You know, it's kind of like a an additional revenue stream for performers who can like do all of their regular shows and then hitch their wagon to the kind of reunion tour throwback kind of vibe have you have you guys been experiencing that as like a a nice bump i mean i feel well because we're we're only just starting you know this is the last time we were on the road was 2019 um oh shit and i feel like the only thing at that point that fits this description was like literally old cello which i think is like older than even you know these sort of things so i feel like just like heaven was maybe yeah it was kind of the one of the first ones to that it is a, it, but now it's like huge yeah no i remember looking at a bill where it was like there was bills where it was going to be like mgmt and us and latigra and you know a lot of bands from like the early aughts and <laughs> i don't know man you know how it is it just doesn't feel i don't feel old i don't feel like well also you show up to this shit and you're like yeah we got a we got a new record on Matador. It's doing pretty well. We just yeah, played Mexico. Yeah, it's different Mexico. for you guys because you guys just still kept playing and putting out quality music. and everything. And That's what makes it cooler, I think. You know what I mean? In a way where it's like, yeah, we can dip into this, but like, I don't feel like that because we're still making music, you know? And I mean, I'll, and I'll take all of it. I feel like <laughs> one thing I definitely want to avoid as I get older is sort of being, you know, jaded or like mm-hmm. bitter or sort of like uh, anti the new things. You know, I want to stay really open-minded and just like, like Morrissey or something, for example. <laughs> sure. I just don't want to okay. be, I don't want to be an aggro kind of dude. Uh, and I definitely want right. to, yeah, just keep it, keep it chill as I age. Um, so I just feel lucky and I feel happy. And I mean, there's a lot of young kids at our shows, so I feel like I'll I mean, take that's, it all. That's back. great. That's yeah. great. I mean, I think that's, that's always the goal. You know what I mean? Keep, keep new ones coming and keep the old ones happy. You know, you can't really, that's the equation for success. You got everything to be grateful for, Paul. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. Even when I lose my boxing gloves, I got to remember that. <laughs> you're still, <clears throat> you're still making it. All right. Paul Banks, uh, thank you for joining us on How Long Gone. Um, the Interpol, the album is out soon. It's, uh, June or July. All right. So yeah. June or July says the singer of the band. It's coming out sometime. You could tell that question was a bit of a trigger, Chris. <laughs> I feel like yeah. the answer is not quite that easy. I, 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 yeah, I don't want to get into it. Um, we, we can offline about this, Paul, but yeah, we'll see you. 
We'll see you in L.A. And, yeah, if you want to hit, we can bring you out to our private courts, the Glendale Community College. Bring a racket to the festival show that we have in Pasadena, <laughs> just like heaven. It's in May. Tickets still available. There's some tickets available. Come for me. Stay for Paul. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Exactly. Yeah, come for Jason. If you can make it that long, then 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 please stay for Interpol as well. And I'll be there, of course, to kind of hold the pads up for you. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, enjoy, enjoy the tour. Enjoy Arizona. And um, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. That was a lot of fun. All right. Later, man. Yeah, man. Pleasure. Talk to you soon. Later. Thanks, Paul. Have a